So I'm Robin Harford from eatweeds.co.uk and today I am talking to Krishna McKenzie who sounds as though he might be Indian but he lives in India but he is an Indian and Krishna, I understand you've got a farm in a lovely little town called Oroville in southern India, Tamil Nadu, yeah, is that right? That's right, hi Robin, Hello. lovely to, um, to be here with you talking yeah, so I'm I'm a Brit actually, like yourself. Born oh, yeah. in Wiltshire, and um, grew up in in Portsmouth, and went to school in the J Krishnamurti School near Petersfield in Hampshire. And at 19, I went to live in Oroville, deeply inspired by a vision of living a simple life, living close to nature, growing my own food, living in community, and also feeling that that. That simple life would facilitate an inner inquiry, which for me, you know, the more existential questions of life coming from a Krishnamurti school were, you know, very um, important. So for people who don't know who Krishnamurti is, can you just give so a... So he's, uh, he's, he's, he's one of the, I would say, one of the most influential sort of spiritual teachers, philosophers of the last century. He was an Indian, but raised by um, Annie Besant from the Theosophical Society, and he did his education in London and... Um, um, he he had a huge following up until his thirties, like millions of, of of devotees and this and and at one point he disbanded it and said that truth is a pathless land. You cannot reach it through a guru, a so dogma. He was, he was almost the anti-guru. He was he? a very the much anti-guru. Anti he was saying yeah. you have to look at your own mind. He said, if you like, we walk together. I'll show you the door, but you have to walk through it. You know, like any of the great teachers, they've they they haven't been a crutch for people. And uh, so he had the various schools in India and one in California and one in England. And those schools were very special places. And it was at that school studying jazz, guitar and theatre and, and actually doing quite serious science, uh, research in genetics, that I started running the vegetable garden with, um, with a guy who had lived in Oroville. And it was, uh, this guy introduced me to, the, to Oroville and to the whole idea of that you could actually, you know, live a very, very different life. And someone also introduced me at that time to my, uh, who I consider my guru, who is Masanobu Fukuoka. And, um, and he's the author of? He's the author of The One Straw Revolution, which is, I, I mean, it's, I think, amongst permaculturists and anyone in, seriously in this work, they recognize that as the sort of the foundation of alternative thought in, in, um, in this work today. So Fukuoka was... Uh, yeah, Fukuoka is, is the inspiration of everything I've done. Um, at first, in 93, January 93, I started in Annapurna Farm in Oroville. I was there for a year and digging ponds and plowing and threshing rice. And basically, it was an in apprenticeship, you know, learning about the culture. And then I started a project on my own. So, like, I wanted to know what it meant to live like bloody Robinson Crusoe, you know, dig your, build your own house. Sure. So I lived, like, hardcore, you know, back to the nature style. And then after that, I started Solitude Farm. And Solitude Farm has been going now since January 96. And, um, yeah, it's quite remarkable what's happened there. In the last year, the work's gone viral. And yeah. it's... Um, it's ridiculous how how the, the the vision of Fukuoka has really been demonstrated there in a very uh, in a very authentic and um, day to daily life, you know, daily way, quotidian, you know, every day. It's the, the food is on the table from local weeds, plants that grow without any effort, 
plants that you know that have a higher medicinal nutritional value, plants that are using less water, plants that are relevant to a culture, plants that are the cultural identity of the people of Tamil Nadu, and yet most of those plants you won't find in a shop. Exactly. You know yeah. those, and, and yet that culture of Tamil Nadu. You see, Tamil is a, it's the oldest language in the world. It's forty thousand years old. And you look at the temples. I mean, you've been in India. You've seen the temples. They're awe-inspiring. You see the Carnatic uh, music and the Bharatanatyam and the the ancient Siddha medicine, the Ayurveda, the the esoteric texts, the spirituality. It's 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 you know it's is you, you drop your jaw. It's just wow. That culture emerged because the society had a relationship to where their food came from. And this is the, this is the whole sort of basis of, the, of what we're trying to demonstrate at the farm, is that we don't know where our food comes from anymore. We eat three times a day, but we don't know who grew the food, geographically where it was grown, if chemicals were used, if they were which chemicals and how much chemical, how it's stored, processed, packed and transported. That relationship is gone. And... Even in it's India, India, where the, from my understanding, I mean, it, there's still a, a huge land community, isn't there? There is, I mean, I there it, is, I but it's it's industrialized agriculture. Yeah, well, I mean, when you when a farmer, you see, a farmer grows an acre of peanuts, he pays a thousand rupees to plow the land. He pays another thousand rupees for the peanuts, being it's quite expensive seed. He pays another thousand rupees for the compost, another thousand rupees for the weeding. After two weeks, you have to do the first weeding. And another weeding, after another thousand rupees for next other after the two months of next weeding. So the, the farmer spent five, six thousand rupees on, on, on his peanuts. He needs his, his, his return on that peanuts. He's not stupid. He, he wants his money back. But it means that every weed, the, the, the Tellinium triangulare, the purslane, which grows everywhere, or the, the nanari, the sarsaparilla, or the butterfly pea, that blue flower that we eat, that's good for women for their uterus, good for epilepsy, brain development, that various um, other flowers and seeds and roots and you know grasses, that then they're, they're just out. You know, we don't want that. We need our money. But those peanuts get sold to some guy, and the the farmer buys government subsidized rice. You know, so that there is a loss of. Um, relationship simply with where does the food that we eat come from you know and that's um, what we've seen at Solitude is basically that that looking at Fukuoka's work you know the title of the book is the one straw revolution as you know he, he means to value the straw cut from the rice harvest put it back to the field and then naturally that's fertility so like um you know, if I was on the farm now, I'd show you the soil. The soil in the farm is alive. There are millions of microorganisms and molds and bacteria and insects and earthworms and fungi and mycelium and small animals. The life equals the fertility. It's the, it's the equation of the natural farmer. And, uh, you know, that fertility, that is the divinity of the soil. And every culture worships the soil. You know, in in Europe they call her Gaia, in South America Pachimama, in India we call her Bhumidev, you know, the earth uh, goddess, you know. But uh, these days the soil is like, no, we don't want to touch that, we'll do it with hydroponics, we don't need the earth. <laughs> so we, our, our nutrition, you know, the nutritional profile of our societies is defined by the coin. 
and and that is very myopic and that that me that's why there's no water left in chennai that's why there's obesity that's why there's diabetes that's why there's an education system that is corrupt that's why we depend on 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 a medicine that 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 you know they're, they're making money out of people being sick so you know we we can see very clearly that the well-being of this planet of and which starts with the actual soil as the the foundation of all biodiversity is is synonymous with the well-being of mankind and um to really embrace that first step is to understand the fertility of the soil so from india being an agrarian culture mm happens to relatively research and I mean it still is well still is yeah agrarian, yeah you know gone industrial yeah i found when i when i visited northern india there mm. in 2016 that um, I was going there to record the local uses of, of food plants and medicine plants, but I found it actually quite hard initially until I developed the rapport and the relationship with people for local people, young people specifically, to open up mm. and say, well, my father knows mm. all these teams, right. yes. as in wild, not Camellia sinensis, but wild plants that right. were used as a beverage but it took a long time because it felt to me that because india is become is on an affluent trend mm. it's following a modern growth well, it's not valued anymore that all that stuff is seen yes as, well that's what you did yes. when you were poor and therefore do you find that yeah defi- a, definitely definitely i mean we have a restaurant on the farm and the restaurant focuses on local food and that's uh, that's best, definitely been a huge uh, um precursor for us to to learn more and more about this subject and the ladies who work in the cafe they know you know they know so much and their parents they you know they know double what they know but their children know nothing yeah and there's there's been a there's been like a i, I call it a cultural nutritional genocide that that has happened and it's because of industrialization it's eroded you know the maggi noodle the 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 lays crisp the coca cola all of the the pizza the the values are topsy turvy so the fact that hang on in my culture we know this plant is good for your knees and this is good for your for your ears and this is good for your hair and this is good for your kidneys and your liver and actually our culture has this treasure trove of nutritional medicinal knowledge which is at the heart of well-being of our society it's why our people come like foreigners to india because we have a killer amazing culture that's not valued anymore yeah. i've got a pizza tonight and a, and a beer you know i'm doing all right i love c++ but there's no bloody water left in chennai yeah, you no, know no. it's desperate at the yeah, moment no, no. and and i recognized actually you see i know less about dehradun in the north of india than i do of course about tamil nadu having lived there um but the tamilians are very proud people you know they have as i say the oldest language in the world and i recognize it's this pride which actually is the lever that you you can sort of like push on to get people to act and you know it's to say to people guys this is our culture you know our culture isn't just uh, you know dance and language and this it's actually the food and they the difference between england and tamil nadu right is that they do have that alive in them yeah. the agriculture might have gone a bit for six at the moment yeah. but it's still alive for them they know the value of banana stem even if it's not common in the shop sure. they know the value of the banana flower they know the value of the green papaya 
and on and yams and the you know all the plantain and different plants that are not not so valued anymore so it's uh, it's interesting it, it's awakened that this this work that we've been doing is sort of like uh, awakened this pride of culture which is um yeah it's, it's fascinating it's um it's fascinating to see see that the difference between england you see in england we just have no idea. Yeah, you go it, in the shop, you buy an avocado, you buy an olive oil, you buy this, you buy that, you buy an apple in New Zealand, South Africa. It just doesn't matter, you know. And, and it's not to blame anyone because this is a very complex problem. This isn't sure. about, oh, I'm a vegan now and I don't yeah. use plastic bags sure. and I do my Surya Namaskara yoga on my own. <laughs> this isn't an individual story. No, this is a not. collective story. Yeah. So it's like... It's like uh, in England, I, I, I was coming back from the airport. My, my friend was bringing me from the airport, and I was, I was looking at the fields. I was seeing oilseed rape, and I was seeing, you know, broad beans, all for the, for the dairy industry. And I was thinking, all these farmers, they've all, they're all complicit in the industrialization of agriculture. None of that food has a nutritional value to the society of where they lived. If there would be a project or an initiative where the local farmer grew food that has a nutritional value for his local community, there's where we would have a, you know, a profound shift yeah. in, in, in uh, I think, I feel it's in consciousness without being too wishy-washy, yeah, yeah. but it's about, consciousness just means about how we think, sure. the aware, the things that yeah. we, that occupy our minds. And, um, and it's quite feasible it's quite feasible, but it's, it means that our values have to shift. It's not that I've got an iPad and I've got the new Nike and I've got a Mercedes. It's that, well, I know that this stinging nettle is really good when I put it in the soup. And, yeah. I, and I know that this wheat comes from my farmer who lives next door and that we have a festival together with him every year and, and that we're a community. And in that community, there's these bonds. And that's the foundation of well-being is there. Yeah. But you have to let go. You can't have the cake and eat it. I mean, there is no value in that because as my friend Supraposession, who runs the Gurukulak Botanical Sanctuary in, in Kerala, um, she says, you know, we live on an extractive economy. Yeah. Everything we have, whether it's our, our shoes, our, 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 our mobile phone, our cars, our, our dress, all of it's from factories that are using, you know, Limited resources, so, unrenewable resources. So extractor and distractor. Exactly, culture. exactly. And, and the, it will end. Yeah. It will end. So in Chennai, it's ended. There is no water now. Wow. In many places, there's no water. So, so what's so, happening to the people? I mean, what, where are they going? Are they well, they're bringing, they water, they're bringing water in, in, in lorries and trains. I mean, they've been doing the lorries for, for, for ages. But there are whole villages that have been abandoned near Mumbai, in Karnataka, in Maharashtra. Whole villages are deserted wow. because there's no water to feed the, so the, even the livestock. So moving into cities? I mean, people are moving to where they can, they can they survive, can survive yeah. you know, and this is just the beginning. Yeah. Now, India, the main problem is not the metropolises. They are not the main contributor of this lack of this water depletion. It's industrialised agriculture. Right. Like in Tamil Nadu, we have moved from a nutrition that's based on millets. Like in, in our area in Tamil Nadu, it's called kuru. 
and it's finger millet and, and pearl millet, which is um, fermented, made into a flour and fermented overnight, then boiled, and then it's as a porridge. And you, you know, it might not sound very appealing, but when you live there and you have it with yogurt and yeah, a chili sure. and onion, yeah, yeah. it's like, yeah. bloody hell, you wouldn't want to eat anything else. You know, it's so good. Um, so all the people are there. They, when you see the old, the old man in the village with the loincloth and all that, they're 90 years old, hobbling along, and they attribute their health to that, that food. So now everyone wants to have white rice. And they want to have it three times a day. In the morning, they have it in idlis and dosa, which yeah. is a pancake and a rice cake. And at lunchtime, it's white rice. And in the evening, it's white rice. So white rice is, is using at least 30% more water than the production of millets. I mean, I think that's a very conservative estimate, something I read quickly on the internet. Most of the millets, they're dry land. They just grow with the rains, you know. So for that to shift in Tamil Nadu, the first thing we have to do is to say, well, let's stop eating white rice. You know, let's stop eating white rice. That's a huge thing for people to shift. That's a big shift. It's a big shift for people because it requires a shift in awareness on many, many levels. First, you have to stop thinking about yourself. Think about your children. Think about other people. Think about, you know, resources as being collective and not my own well-being but that's the that's the that's the primary shift and i think that you know if you go back even further you see that there were a lot more yams were grown yeah. a lot more other starch possibilities were there and they were like in kerala it's still alive like tapioca is very much used in you you have a tapioca and you have a fish curry with it you don't have the rice so the tapioca is just a joke to grow we grow like stacks of tapioca you know one plant potentially can give me 10 kilos i've had 10 kilos once so if you've got a little plot of 10 meters by 10 meters and you've got like 100 you know 100 plants you've got a ton almost and potentially you know even if you've got half a ton you're still like wow and you can do you can make flour with it you can make flour with the plantain you can make flour the other yams and then you mix that with millet flowers and you have chapatis Mm. there's so many solutions Mm. out there so how does how does the um because I was attracted to, because I was in India in January, and we were going to come and visit you, and ended up in the Western Ghats. And, but I was only going to, I was attracted because you'd mentioned wild edible plants, forest foods. And I wondered how in your farm, are you incorporating that diversity and eating the local wild plants yeah very much so very much so. i mean that's because some some yeah i mean that to me i know permaculture it's kind of a multitude of things and i have a some friends locally um who i also podcast who who do no no dig no disturb the right same, one straw no till stuff, yeah no till and their soil diversity again i mean it's self-evident that wherever these principles and practices are applied to land they radically regenerate. Well-being so, manifests. Just, yeah. I mean, hardcore. Yes. Like in, not even just like by a few percent. I mean, radically yes. shifts. Yes. Health. Yes. And thereby, by default, human health. Right. Of course. Well, I mean, what what we see is right. Basically, 
the first the first uh, sorry the first step on this I call this a road back to nature. Yeah. You know, it's a road back to the arms of mother nature, the road back to well-being. It's a renaissance of well-being. The first step is to value organic matter. If we don't value organic matter, the soil can't because that's the most simple natural process that you see in, in, in nature is that leaves fall and branches fall and they decay and you get organic matter, you know, nutrition for the plants. So every weed, every branch, every stick, every grass, every leaf is, is valued on our farm and returning it back to the soil, it doesn't matter the techniques, the techniques will differ depending on topography, geography, climate, even demographics will define techniques. So we're not looking at techniques, but the, that philosophy, when that's applied, you know, that's an act of love to Mother Nature to return that to the soil. And that soil becomes, as you say, healthy, you know, beyond, you know, you can't compare how healthy it's just like, wow. And then what we what we um, what happens is then by by um, valuing the ideas of permaculture, that means we put as many things in the field together, like intercropping, polycropping, like we have over 140 plants that we eat throughout the year. So there's about 23 different fruit trees. So the fruit trees are your varieties, that is. Yeah. The fruit trees are your um, long duration, of course. You know, that's what, if we start a farm tomorrow, that's the first thing we put in the fruit trees. Then you put in your medium durations, 10 months to two years. So you've got papayas, turmeric, pineapples, bananas, moringa, the drumstick, and, and uh, you know, tapioca, things like that. Then you have your shorts, so that's the tomatoes, cucumbers, you know, ladies' fingers, all that sort of thing. Then you have your very shorts, which are your spinaches and that. And then you get the volunteers. So that's what I'm looking at. That's what, we're, that's what you're interested in, you know. The, the, for me, those are the colours of a culture. Mm-hmm. So for us, what we have is we have this polycropping going on and all of a sudden, boom, you have this... Talinium triangulare, it's a type of purslane. Purslane yeah. is a huge family. Yeah. And this one is um, it's very good for pregnancy. It's good for cognitive ability. It's good for asthma. It's even good for men's virility. You know, it does the works. And we make smoothies with it in our cafe. We make a green ice cream with it. We make uh, um, pestos every day with it, you know, with all yeah. sorts of different weeds and lemon and peanuts and a bit of coconut and... And then we make um, curries with it and soups and vegetable dishes with it. We use it all the time. Yeah. And people come to our cafe and the regular refrain is that they haven't eaten this type of food as, as good as that in their life. Right. You know, we hear that regularly. It grows outside every garden, outside every school, outside, you know, the offices, the hospitals. And yet you won't find it in a single shop. Bizarre, isn't it? You won't find it in it. You won't find it. Well, it doesn't fit into the little box of of commercialization. And someone pointed out to me that commercialization starts that the seed company can get the seeds and manipulate it. You know, so they haven't been able to do that with this. So therefore, it has even less value. It's like side, you know, side uh, shelved. Um, so that's the first one that comes up. So when I'm doing my tour in the farm, that's like when I, I get to the point, I say, look, so this is the first thing, because I want people to do something. Yeah. You know, I want action today, now. Yeah. So you're not all going to start farming. You're sure. not going to start, no. but you could all start eating this plant. Yeah. You know, it's everywhere. So start eating this plant. In locally, we call it korikire, which translates as chicken spinach. So as I say, eat chicken spinach, the first thing to do. The next thing to do is the green papaya. So we have green papaya everywhere on the farm. I mean, papaya everywhere. Green papaya is just a normal papaya that's immature. You know, it's a vegetable as, a, as opposed to a fruit. So you peel it, you grate it, it's a carrot. Yeah. 
The only difference is if you compare it with carrots, carrot seeds don't come so well in our area because they're a bit too hot. We can grow carrots for three months, you know, you end of the monsoon, three months, you can just squeeze a little, you know, box of carrots out and you make the bed, you put the seeds, you have to buy them in, you put the Why seeds, <laughs> yeah, you, put the, you put the seeds, you thin them, you weed them, yeah. you water them, you water them, you weed them and after three months, you go, wow. Then you compare it to carrot, to papayas, papayas you don't plant, the birds are <laughs> dropping them, they're everywhere. They, they, they require very less water. They grow all the year. You get green papaya all the year. And it grows for like three years. When they're too high, you cut them and they branch and they give more papayas. So they go for even more than three years. They have a higher medicinal and nutritional value. They have carotenoids in them, a higher carotenoid quantity that changes into vitamin A in the body. They're good for gastrointestinal problems, good for skin. And then you get another characteristic of local food is that you can use multiple parts of it. You know, the best you're going to get with a carrot is some permaculture guy will sell you it and you'll get the greens as well. And if you've got a bit of a brain on you, you'll eat the greens as well. But the green papaya, you can have the papaya, then you have the fruit, and then you have the seeds. We make, the, we make soap with our seeds. Okay. Then you have the leaf, which is good for dengue fever, malaria, chikungunya. My wife uses it. She's a very, very beautiful Indian woman, and she uses it as a face mask. And she looks like the Hulk, but, she, but it comes out. She's great, you know, afterwards. And uh, I use my kids. It's good in Ayurvedic medicine to cool down a bit the, the fire in the body, the heat in the body. And then you can make a dessert. A girl from Bahia in Brazil, she's a vegan restaurant. She shows how to make a dessert from the stem. Wow. So you've wow. got the papaya. Like, and again, where you find papaya? Green papaya being served in a restaurant. It's not there. Yeah. And then you get things like the nanari, which is the wild sarsaparilla. Mm-hmm. I don't know. A, a guy was like digging yeah. around in the farm. I said, who are you? And he said, oh, I'm Dr. Sri, this and that. And I said, what are you doing then? He said, well, I research um, nanari, sarsaparilla. It's a, it's a cure for diabetes. Yeah. And he's like, there's, and there's not only one variety. He said, this is one and this is another variety. We mm-hmm. dig it out every day. We wash it. We smash it. We boil it. And we put some lemon and, and sweet. It is yeah. killer. Yeah. I, it's yeah, yeah. so it's good. It's cooling as well. It's cooling, it's cooling for the body. It's cooling for the body. That's a classic. It's also a blood purifier. Yeah. And we mix then another weed, which is called the butterfly pea, yeah. the Clitoria tenetia. Um, which is good for, as I say, epilepsy, brain development, good for uterus, good Mm. for menstrual problems. Um, We mix that with that one. In our cafe, we have three juices, a hibiscus with a lemongrass, the soursop, the graviola, which is the anti-cancer, with um, rosella, which is a bit like your sorrel. And then the blue flower, the butterfly pea with the sarsaparilla. So these amazing juices, people kind of go, wow, what's that? So it's just weeds. You can do it. Look, it's there. You, know, you don't have to come and spend your money here doing it. So do you think the cause so for me with with the ideas of um, the future of farming and the future of foraging in where I'm obviously with one straw, no till they kind of bonded together. Absolutely. It's not like oh you do the foraging no, or No, it's the for us it's it, one just, thing. It's a hybrid yeah. now. It's yeah. one so thing. So we were hunter gatherers, nomadic, we yeah. were foragers, we didn't till, we didn't yeah. grow. Then we shifted to growing. And yeah. for me, the next phase is, well, if we're going to actually continue on as a species, then we need to combine. Absolutely. Well, you have that. to look at the bounty you have around you. Like, we, we have a whole range of Ayurvedic um, powders that we make. I mean, some of them are here. There's 
the drumstick spinach, which everyone's on for the case. It's actually the last one we did because we the last thing we do is a commercial thing. Yeah. Um, we've got mortakan, which is balloon vine. It's good for your joints, for your articulations. Mm-hmm. We make a powder. We've got ivy gourd. We've got um, the soursop leaf and guava leaves and uh, tamarind leaves. We make powders from all these things. And if you research them, yeah, no. they're all incredible. Yeah. And I was walking down the road and I did the post in the Facebook and I, and I saw the dandelion. I was taking a clip and I saw the, the, the nettle because I talk about these to the people. And I say, it's the same in England. You've got dandelion. And I was like seeing I was really happy. And I saw the hawthorn <laughs> and I saw this. And then I saw the ivy. I thought, I'm going to take a photo of that. I bet, it's, I bet it has something. And then I saw the holly and I took a photo. And you go on the internet, ivy, medicinal values, it's good for, it's a cancer cure, detoxifies yeah. the body. You go to the holly, it's good for coughs and I think skin cl- cleansing or something. Every, Every single plant is a benediction of our yeah. mother nature totally. and we limit it to the bloody coin. Yeah. So who is stupid here? You know, industrialization is eroding well-being. Mm. So until we're able to bring that subject, we don't have an, a cultural identity. You see, the, the, every civilization, as I said, they worship the soil and their particular culture emerged with their language and their myths and their dance and their songs from that soil. And I think that's one of the problems. In, I'm, in, I'm going to be in hot water now, but I'll risk it anyway. But I think that's one of the problems in, of, with Brexit that people don't know where they're bloody going because we don't know who we are. You know, we don't know which foot we're standing on. It's only about money and this and that, and it's defined by corporate, defined by government. But actually, as a people, you know, what is our identity as Britons, you know, as people who live? So that identity can only be clear when we know where our food comes from. Well, for me, it's, I, I don't talk it, it in, in a patriotism. I don't even refer to nation states. I refer to where you find your feet and that where you find your feet every plant has a story and that story tells you about where you came from and where you are now and your potential for the future as well definitely yeah if you can kind of get into the more poetic side of plant gathering and be inspired and allow the creativity to come forth in however you define that yes i'm leaving it deliberately loose. I mean, I think in the world today, we're, we're, we're you know, it's, it's not that there is a crisis, a pet, you know, looming. I mean, at least where I am in Tamil Nadu, there is a frigging crisis. We are yeah. with our backs against the wall and action has to be now. Yeah. I think in England, because there is money, even if there's a sort of poverty as well, but, you know, everyone has basically, they've got access to sort of, more yeah. or less, you know, somehow, like, there's things, there's, there's, food and support there's a buffer it's very privileged you know but in India there's there's something else happening although there's incredible privilege in India to a level that's disgusting even um, of the disparity of wealth but you know see like with the work that I've been doing that has got so much attention I feel this incredible responsibility that that something has to be done you know so what I'm trying to do now is I'm... The government has a midday meal scheme for schools. Yeah. All the government schools have a midday meal scheme. And I'm trying to promote a project, to start a project, which is not my project, it will be a very collective project, where we show farmers how to take, even if it's just half acre from their land, 
and you know start with lines of papaya and banana and and the the gourds and this and that and uh, and the turkey berry and all these different plants that are growing very easily and um and try and get some sort of support for those farmers and get those farmers to pro- provide all the produce for the midday meal scheme because this generation has to know where its food comes yeah. from it has to have a nutritional identity and at the moment it doesn't and uh, i feel that um, a, t- a project like that could be very feasible um it's in india very very feasible and i'm i'm going to be talking about it with some business people in in the university of london next week and uh, you know try and try and bring some i mean it's not really it, it does need funding it needs energy more than sure. funding you know it needs sure. people right yeah let's do it come on but i was talking to 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 a girl here you know who runs a, a farm you know she's she's got the same passion that you and me have yeah. that passion comes from your relationship with the soil and you know the way she talks about her plants you're like yeah you it's the family but this this person you know she she's she's also in an economic situation and also in a in a society that she's left with boxes of kale and she's sure. like hey, who's going to buy it you know they they they'll go and buy an avocado and uh, you know and a pizza and this and that but they won't buy the kale so i was saying to her well why don't you try and do the same project launch a project here in england get one or two schools who will take a basket service from you for the whole school and they won't choose what you get you give them they accept what you give them and you define the menu even if it's only one or two days a week yeah. but you define the menu and you get the kids to come to the farm to help with the farm to harvest possibly to cook and maybe do some celebration you know because celebration is integral sure. to this work and i think that this project that she i think it could really take off it's just i'm fed up with presenting projects you know and yeah. ideas like we, I, what we've done we've done it yeah we're not clever anyone can do it yeah it's and like, i think at the end of the day that i mean i was talking it with my with my partner when i came down just now and it, it's like you know i'm i'm actually done personally i'm done with activism i'm done with protest i'm done with all the stuff that i did for it's not gonna help. years it's not going to help no. but actually the change comes by that one person who comes on one of your walks or comes to the, to the and farm and starts eating green papaya suddenly shifts and the unintended consequences of mm. just talking passion and teaching the passion of plants and how the potential it it could be for human culture yes. for the future that has more effect in in society so. than begging government to do it I think so. or anyone else I think so that. I do feel, though, for for me, I suppose, is like, you know, how do, how do we change change all those those people? And I suppose because not everyone's going to go back to the land. Yeah, they want they want mm. they don't want to be back in the land because let's work face online. it, however romantic it might be, yeah, it's hard work. I know from over here, it's yeah. flipping graft. Yeah, and it's <laughs> cold as well. And it, and it, yeah, it, and uh, maybe it's different over here because over here, what I see is I see see um, good-hearted people who come out of an idealistic space mm. and try it and burn themselves out because mm. over here we don't actually have community. Right. We talk community, but we don't bring in our parents to help us and yes. learn from them and yes. our, our siblings and our friends. Yes. And the spiraling outwards yes. to have the community yes. whereas I suspect in India the thing I observe is there is still community very much 
yeah. kind of beginning to fragment and move yeah. off into the, the the cities. So, I mean, this subject, without talking of about community, without talking about education and celebration, is meaningless. Yeah. You know, it's not an individual affair. It's, it's not. It's an very. Individual. And I would say that John Seymour's book, Self Sufficiency Bible, was actually almost had a negative effect on people trying to get into food because he didn't talk community. It was no, very, it's like, what me can on you my do? own in five acres yeah. and this is a it. Log cabin and, and, and a log yeah. cabin and shut the world yeah, away. Right. And that's not how no, it's the not. ecosystem it's, works. It's not, it's not, no. In the farm we do a, we do a festival um, most years. We've done, I think, about five or six now. It's called Lively Up Your Earth. <laughs> and um, yeah I'm going to meet I think some Excellent. people in London next week who do a big festival in Pimlico and they want to help me next year it's great yeah. um, but it's you know the festival has music I'm a musician as well you know music and art it's an adhesive it brings it binds the community together um, and if you can bring that within the context of local food permaculture edible weeds p- foraging then you, you sort of like you've got the receptivity the right moment to share that so we also have cooking workshops in the in the festival. We also have you know all sorts of things, cotton spinning and yeah. block print. You know the whole the whole shebang. When's the next one happening? In Jan, your, it'll in, be in, in, in Jan Jan twenty twenty or maybe in Feb twenty twenty. We'll okay. they'll, they'll, we'll give you a link to the Facebook and you can mm. follow it up. But I think that you know just to sort of. I guess we're coming to the end, no? Slowly, it's slowly. Wrap and pack. Yeah, I, I think. Do have the, a question for well, you, the, I think the most on. important thing I'd like to share is that when I when I met Fukuoka, cause I met him in 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 Deradun, in Vandanashiva's farm about sixteen years ago. He said to us, "Only a fool," and the Japanese word for fool is a bakka. Only a fool will understand natural farming, and I can tell you that's what's happened in the farm. This grows on its own. This grows on its own. This grows on its own. We've had the sense to use it. That's all. There's no strategy. Yeah. There's no cleverness, you know. And for that, you have to unplug from the industrialization. So you, for that, you need the community to value what you're growing and be part of it. But there is definitely this, this element of no effort. And that is because the nature knows better than us. Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. So just one final question. I have a friend who visits a village in Tamil Nadu. And she was telling me that the medicine of Tamil Nadu is very different from Ayurveda. Is that correct? I mean, the traditional medicine yeah, is true. called Siddha medicine. Siddha. And Siddha actually is a, it's a, it's an ancient spiritual sort of path as well. And the it's medicine... Not from Star of, Wars, is it? No, no, it's not, it's not <laughs> the force. Will, well, the force will be with you. That's, that's classic, isn't it? That's everywhere. Um, but... Um, I'm sure they modelled Yoda off <laughs> Krishnamurti because George Lucas was a friend of Krishnamurti and oh, I, right. I listened to the voice really? where they, oh, you want to be Jedi Knight? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, but Siddha medicine is, is an aspect of the Siddha tradition and it is very similar to Ayurveda. It's different. Mm. It is different, yeah, but it's the same principles mm. of, of Ayurveda is you, 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 know, you treat, uh, you treat the, the root, cause of what's going on and you might have a headache but that might be originating in your stomach and that might be because of this and that and they they still look at the doshas kapha pitta and vata and they look at you know i'm not an expert on siddha and i'm not an expert on ayurveda either but it is an ancient uh, medicine um technique and it's it's very very beautiful and it honors nature it honors nature constantly as does ayurveda yeah so i so it's been 
fabulous kind of meeting you find. It's been yeah, kind lovely. of ironic that Zill and I were going to come and visit you. We didn't actually get in touch with you, and then somehow you got in touch, or someone that you know got in touch with me, and here we are talking. So I yeah, like that. It's lovely. Kind of I love it. Yeah. Circle. Of I feel a lot of resonance with, is, with, with what something. you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So wonderful. So anyone wants to find out more about Krishna's work or happens to be in India and is around Oroville, definitely check him out. There's also a guy called Pete, is it, who runs a botanical garden at Oroville? Paul Blanchefleur Paul runs Blanchefleur. a botanical garden. He's, so he's doing a beautiful job. Of yeah, Lots of things there. There's a yeah. lot of interesting things. Yeah. Very far out. Yeah. <laughs> Very different yeah. to Europe. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So wonderful to meet you. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks a lot. Yeah, lovely. We'll stay in touch. Definitely.